0: Hello, and welcome to this Hot Topics podcast from NB Medical and MedCast. The podcast is part of a series based on the popular Hot Topics workshops and webinars. In this episode, our expert speaker, Dr. Neil Tucker, discusses the recent developments in managing ulcerative colitis in general practice. A copy of the Keep It Simple summary or KISS on this topic is available on the MedCast downloads page. If you'd like to learn more and to register for one of our nationally delivered face-to-face workshops please visit our website dr neil tucker introduces neela a patient presenting with a flare-up of ulcerative colitis
1: so neela is 26 years old she was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis uh, just a few years ago she had some mild symptoms um, um, a gradual increase in PR bleeding. She went to the doctors, had a scope that confirmed what's going on. So she's now been managed on oral mesalazine. She takes 2.4 grams daily, so a fairly standard dose. She's been really well since the initial treatment. She had some steroids initially to help settle things down, but the mesalazine seems to have managed things quite well until now. So in the last four weeks, she started developing increased frequency of her Uh, of uh, her bowels. She's probably opening her bowels maybe three times a day on average at the moment. She's getting blood in the stool. She feels okay in herself. So she's not got any fever, she's not got any abdominal pain, but things just feel a bit uncomfortable. She's getting tenesmus as well. So this is not an uncommon problem for us. Around um, 0.25% of Australians, one in 400, um, have inflammatory bowel disease. around uh, about half of people with inflammatory bowel disease will have a flare every single year. So this is very, very common. And this is important because we, in general practice, are usually that first point of contact. Um, Particularly if you're in a remote area, you may be managing everything to do with these patients. So having an overview of the best management strategies for this group is, is quite important. And I was taken by this Um, article in the BJGP a year ago, the British Journal of General Practice. And its its main thrust was that oral corticosteroids, yes, they can be very useful for flares in people with inflammatory bowel disease, but they're often overprescribed. A significant proportion of patients, around 40%, uh, are found to have excess steroid exposure. And the key here is that there are other treatment options that exist. And not only may they be effective, but they may be more effective than steroids whilst minimising that unnecessary steroid exposure and the potential for complications. So we're going to have a quick look at sort of, uh, the assessment of someone's flare, how we can gauge how, how severe one is, and then how we, can, how we can manage that patient. So broadly speaking, you can assess severity in terms of mild, moderate and severe, and we'll have a, a quick look at some of the clinical criteria there. Fundamentally, if you think someone is acutely unwell with a flare of uh, inflammatory bowel then they need to go to hospital. They need to be uh, admitted. But you can get this group who have had a, uh, perhaps a gradual increase in their symptoms. Things are now actually quite bad for them, um, but perhaps they're not that um, not that systemically unwell. And you might turn this subacute moderate to severe active ulcerative colitis Um, and that sometimes can be managed in an outpatient setting depending on how you think the patient is and how they're going to be able to cope. The paper would encourage us to try and obtain some objective evidence of disease activity so commonly we might do some blood tests and do some inflammatory markers so CRP is the main one I would use, Um, you might use ESR as well limited access for me in primary care, but I'd be interested to know if if you guys would have access to fecal calprotectin in the context of assessing someone with acute and active inflammatory um, uh, disease of the the gut. So I'd be interested to to see your comments there, and um, I'm sure Justin will um, uh, go into more detail there. But be aware that, uh, that the reality is a lot of these uh, a lot of these tests can be entirely normal, even when someone's having quite a bad flare. So if it clinically looks like an, a, a flare of inflammatory bowel disease, then it is. So um, the, the main message as well is don't delay treatment, waiting for blood results. I have to say that I think in most parts of Australia, you guys get, get blood results um, much quicker than I do. So you'll often get them within a few days. I often only uh, sorry. You'll get them within a few hours. I often uh, have to wait 24 hours before I get my results back, which is um, obviously not so good. Now, um, if we've got a good plan, if they've uh, been to an inflammatory bowel disease clinic, the gastro team before, and we've got a got a good plan, then that's really helpful. Otherwise, I would always be trying to communicate with um, with their. Uh, with their specialists just so that they're all in the picture and um, that can obviously help with management as well. So how do we assess severity? Well, um, firstly, severe disease. So there are some simple clinical features we can look out for. So firstly, just how many times are they opening their bowels a day? If you're having diarrhoea of more than six times a day, then that's pretty significant. So if you've got that plus, you are um, uh, uh, pyrexial, tachycardic, you've got raised inflammatory markers. So here they use the figure of ESR over 30. I think these are actually quite, we'll say well-established, but you could also say they're quite old. Um, uh, these are quite old guidelines. And so um, an ESR of 30 uh, is what they suggest. But I think if you've got a raised um, CRP, that's going to count as well. anemia. Um, and visible blood in your stools, all of those markers of um, severe disease when you're getting lots of bowels open a day, then I would um, I would say that patient needs to be admitted. I'd be phoning up the hospital. Otherwise, if someone's got mild to moderate disease, um, well, uh, then uh, mild to moderate features, we can initiate treatment in primary care. So mild disease, um, I would class that as um, less than four bowel movements a day you're only going to have small amounts of blood in the stools I mean, you're always going to get almost always going to get some kind of blood in the stools particularly with ulcerative colitis um, but um, but the uh, bowels open less than four times a day. Moderate four to six um, um, bowel movements a day, um, the blood is going to be somewhere between mild and severe spectrum. We're going to use our clinical judgment here and get the patient's idea about how bad they think it is. But you shouldn't see um, any particular systemic features so Um, you're not going to get pyrexia, their heart rate should be okay they should be coping pretty well so um, those groups we can manage in primary care I would still be discussing with uh, with their specialist unless we've got a very clear plan but many of these patients will have had flares in the past they would have previously had um, input from their specialist, we might have had some communication as well, in which case, then I think um, then I think, within reason, assuming things are improving as we would expect them to do, we can look after this group. Uh, what do we do for acute management? Well, the treatment obviously varies. So two main features, is it ulcerative colitis or is it Crohn's? They require very different treatment. And what is the site of the disease? So Uh, Ulcerative um, ulcerative colitis can affect different parts of the gut, so it could be some quite minor distal disease, so just proctitis or maybe a bit of proctosigmoiditis. It could be classed as more left-sided, so slightly slightly more extended. And then if it's affecting the whole of the bowel, it's termed as extensive, and those require slightly different treatments. For Crohn's, the two main distinctions would be ileocecal uh, disease and then um, extensive colon disease as well. Uh, And again, I'll I'll talk about the management of those. But the bottom line is, um, especially if we don't know this patient very well, depending on how much, uh, how how good the medical records are, we may need a bit more information before we can actually make an an educated um, decision about treatment. So Neela, she's got left-sided ulcerative colitis. So the first thing we would want to do is increase her oral mesalazine to maximum dose. So I think that, so Neela's I would class her as having mild to moderate severity. She's um, opening her bowels two or three times a day. She's got blood in the stools, but, and yeah, she's not feeling great, but she's, she's um, estemic, systemically well and objectively systemically well. So how can we manage this group of, of UC patients with mild to moderate severity? So um, the first thing to do, irrespective of the extent of, um, the bowel that's affected would be to um, to to maximise their oral mesalazine. So if they've been on two point four grams a day, which is a sort of a standard maintenance dose for many, or if they're not on it at all, I mean some patients who may be quite mild with um, uh, with with rare flares might not be on any at all. The first thing to do would put the, be put them up to maximum dose. So if you're using um, standard Uh, mesalazine, so something like mesosal, then that would be uh, 4.8 grams a day. If they're on pentasa, so slightly different figures, pentasa, you go up to four grams a day. Then it depends on the site of the disease. So for distal and left side disease, there's no doubt, the data is very clear, topical mesalazine is the most effective choice and probably more effective than than steroids. So um, the 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 thing to just know about mesalazine is actually you're not getting systemic absorption. There's virtually no systemic absorption of oral or topical, so rectal mesalazine. It's all having a local action. So. Um, what you're taking orally goes down. That's then um, passing through into the large bowel and uh, exerting its sort of uh, action on the on the gut wall. There, um, equally rectally, you're getting topical mesalazine and it's having a a, a local effect within the the gut mucosa. So, um, so the key really is to try and get it to where it's get it to where it's needed. So, if people have just got proxitis, so just rectal disease, then almost always their condition can be managed with suppositories. This group tends to be at the milder end of the spectrum, and uh, and suppositories are going to be all they need. So a a typical course for a flare would be um, six weeks' worth of uh, one gram suppository. That's the standard dose for pretty much all the suppositories, I think. And you use that twice a day, and then after six weeks, things should have settled down. And then you can do a quick taper just once a day for a week or so. And then hopefully they will be able to um, they will be able to get off of the the rectal treatments if they've got more extensive disease. So if the sigmoid is affected, um, if it's more left sided, then they're going to need something that reaches higher up. So then foam enemas are very, very useful. They are, um, they are not as pleasant as you might imagine, um, so they are uh, they 're more difficult to tolerate than suppositories, but they are very effective so to, to try and improve the um, trying to improve the tolerance of them and improve therefore the retention of the medicine they 're usually administered at night, um, the standard doses is one to two grams, which is one to two squirts of these foam enemas. And uh, and then use them for the, a similar six week course is fairly standard. Some patients may also need suppositories, not necessarily at the same time. That would be very very complicated. But you might um, you might use a, a foam enema in the evenings and suppository during the day because the foam enemas they are quite. Um, they are quite aggressive, so uh, they're very good at squirting the medicine quite high up, and they sometimes miss the very distal rectum, which can leave an area of untreated disease, which then can um, drive the, um, continue to drive the disease process when you stop using the, the foam enemas, and they'll just simply flare back up again, uh, or, or indeed it might not settle down at all. So you might need to think about combination therapy, but by and large, foam enemas will be, will be okay for most by themselves. You can use topical um, corticosteroids. So there are prednisolone liquid enemas. It's uh, an alternative. Mesalazine is ineffective. Not everyone responds particularly well to steroids. So I would be um, I'd be asking them a simple question, you "Know, have you tried this before? Um, has it worked before? If it hasn't, well, there's probably no point in repeating that treatment. I'd go along, with, go a different route, think about something else. But I'd still be reserving these um, uh, for when there's been treatment failure of topical mesalazine. Now, what about if someone's got extensive disease? So clearly very hard for even foam enemas to um, deliver the medication all the way around um, to the right side of your, ba- uh, of your large bowel. So um, topical treatment alone is likely to be inadequate. However, there may still be a rationale for using it because data shows it can speed up recovery, even though uh, even when we're using a different um, some other treatment as well. So in that group, I would be maximizing their oral mesalazine. You could um, suggest they could try some topical treatment. Um, but realistically, they're going, to, um, they're going to need something orally, and often that's going to be oral prednisolone. So a flare doesn't settle down overnight. You can take two or three months to get under control. Six weeks is a fairly standard course for flare management, but occasionally you might need longer. You're just going to have to um, follow up that patient and play it by ear the the paper would say if you've had no response to a treatment within two to four weeks, then they would start. Uh, they would suggest starting oral corticosteroids at that point. I mean, by that point, realistically, I think I would probably have had a chat with their um, with their gastro team by that point. Um, but uh, but that would be the next step in the pathway. And if you did need to prescribe prednisolone, especially if you're out in the sticks and um, you've not got a lot of support, then the standard regime for oral pred would be. 40 milligrams daily, you reduce by five milligrams per week. So it's an eight-week course, and that equates to 252 tablets. So in fact you can just prescribe them. Well, uh, hopefully you can just prescribe them the, the full amount at a time. So give them the whole um, treatment course and, uh, and give them a, 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 a plan for that reduction. If you use lower doses, so anything from 15 milligrams or less a day just doesn't work, you've got to go in pretty high and then um, slowly bring it down. When we're doing that, particularly if they're having quite frequent um, courses of prednisone, do think about bone protection as well, particularly in the elderly or particularly if they're already known to have some low bone mineral density. Now, Crohn's disease, I think, is more complex because ulcerative colitis, there's a very clear sort of part of the bowel which... Um, which we're dealing with, with Crohn's, it can be different things at different times for the same person. Um, And in different people, it's it's a very, very heterogeneous condition. So the features you might get, diarrhea, sometimes PR bleeding, but not always, depends what part of the bowel is affected. Abdominal pain is much more common and systemic features are quite common as well. So weight loss and, and fever. In this group, mesalazine lacks proven efficacy. It, it might help some, but it's certainly not a given, um, which is very different from ulcerative colitis. And the mainstay of treatment here is likely to be steroid therapy. So, in this BJGP article, they suggested people have mild to moderate ileocecal disease, and um, we've got a plan, we're familiar with a patient, maybe we've had some communication with a specialist, There, are, we, we could potentially manage this in primary care. And the the first choice here would be uh, budesonide. So um, this is oral budesonide, eight milligrams once a day for eight weeks, and then a two-week taper. And the reason they suggest budesonide, when you're having it orally, there's extensive first-pass metabolism, unlike with um, prednisolone. So it's it's felt that you might get less systemic steroid side effects. But the payoff of that is it's not quite as effective. So um, some people will get treatment failure with this the NICE guidelines that obviously we use a lot in the UK actually suggest something quite different so uh, they would suggest just using a conventional oral uh, glucocorticoid steroid so prednisolone um, would be the mainstay of treatment Um, if this is someone's first player within 12 months they would suggest just going straight to oral prednisolone I think I think discuss it with the patient see what's worked for them in the past um, see what their specialist would say and then we've you know, there is some flexibility here. If it's more extensive disease and colonic disease, then everyone seems to agree oral prednisolone for eight weeks is the standard treatment. So there's a lot to know about inflammatory bowel disease. And if you do want a really good resource, then the, uh, the um, RCGP over here in the UK have put together a free inflammatory bowel disease toolkit really really useful. Lots of um, practical tips. It's not just these are the figures, Um, this is what we should do. Um, Practical tips about people's experiences with inflammatory bowel disease. Um, uh, There's some resources for um, patients as well. There's also um, podcasts and videos to, um, to, to get an idea about people's experiences and Um, clinicians experiences of managing it as well so it's all free it's open access it's linked in the kiss summary so do um do check it out i think it's really quite useful so conclusions then flares are very common for people with inflammatory bowel disease and there's often this um uh, often people are, uh, uh, are put on oral steroids quite quickly. Um, there may be something we can do to reduce unnecessary steroid exposure. So um, when they have a flare, inform, inform the inflammatory bowel disease team, um, determine the severity, try and gain objective evidence of disease, ask the patient about previous successes and failures, and then for ulcerative colitis, left side of disease, maximize that dose of oral mesalazine and then think about topical mesalazine for six weeks. Um, it's safe and it's effective and often more effective than steroids. More extensive disease will require some oral treatment, and that realistically is going to be oral steroids for many. Um, for Crohn's disease, I think more complicated, ileocecal disease may respond to oral budetonine, so that would be an alternative option to prednisolone. For anyone with severe disease, We just need to speak to their specialists and uh, and they're going to need to go to hospital. So what did we do with Neela? Well, she had left-sided ulcerative colitis, but she's fairly fairly well with it. I would class her as having mild disease. So we increased her oral steroid, and um, no, we didn't. We increased her oral mesalazine up to the maximum dose. We started mesalazine enemas um, in the evening, suppositories in the daytime for six weeks. Things responded rapidly. She stopped bleeding within two weeks of treatment. Um, we did some blood tests. Everything looked pretty okay there had a chat with her inflammatory bowel disease team um, they agree with our management she's now improving the, the bleeding is getting better she's going to go off to clinic for an assessment in a month or so if things weren't improving then we could always um, we could always send her sooner. And after she's finished with her um, topical misalazine, keep going with that higher dose of the oral treatment. Um, uh, and this is sort of not an exact science here, but I would certainly stay, stay on that higher dose for, um, for several months after she's finished the topical treatment.
0: Thank you. That was Dr. Neil Tucker from NV Medical in the UK presenting the latest updates on the guidelines in treating ulcerative colitis in primary care. You can download a copy of the Keep It Simple summary or KISS on ulcerative colitis on our MedCast downloads page. If you'd like to learn more about the Hot Topics series of workshops, webinars and podcasts, please visit our website on www.medcast.com.au forward slash hot topics.